As Cameron mentioned a little while ago, we're wrapping up our series today uh, called In the Meantime, and we've been asking this question, what do you do uh, when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when you feel like you're stuck uh, or you're trapped uh, in life, like you're miles away uh, from your ideal? I was coming back from Albania last February, and uh, I don't travel overseas a whole bunch, but uh, enough to know how draining uh, those 10 to 12-hour flights can really be. And uh, I had landed at Chicago O'Hare Airport, and I knew that I had two hours to get off the plane, uh, to get through immigration, to get through customs, to get my luggage, to recheck my luggage, to get on a shuttle, to ride to you know my particular terminal, to get to my gate, and uh, I was really really excited uh, to get home, as you can imagine, after being gone for a while. And so uh, I made it all the way. I finally got to my gate with about 45 minutes to spare. And uh, as I stood there, I watched the clock or the, uh, the scheduled time for my flight change from 8 o'clock uh, to 9 o'clock. Now, that was a little disappointing, but definitely not devastating. Uh, but a few minutes later, I watched it go from 9 to about 9.30 to eventually a 10 o'clock departure to a 10.45 departure. Finally, in just over a matter of a few minutes, it went all the way until 11.30 uh, at night. And so you can kind of imagine that feeling. And if you travel much for your job, you probably dread uh, days. You dread flights uh, like that. And when it happens, uh, and some of you, again, you know this feeling. I mean, what can you do? I mean, what do you do when you find yourself stuck in a moment like that? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? Like, what do you do when life creeps up on you and presents you a problem and you just know, you realize, you know what, this, this isn't going away anytime soon? I mean, maybe you've experienced this professionally. And uh, for you professionally, I mean, when you think back on your life, I mean, you chose the major, you picked the, the school, you picked the grad school, you did the work, you got the degree, you've got, you got a school loan, uh, maybe still today to prove it, and you got a job. And Maybe a job you once called your dream job, but now, but now you hate it. I mean, it's not what you hoped it would be, and so you feel trapped. Uh, maybe for some of you this morning, it's a financial issue, and so right now, I mean, you're desperate and you're struggling. You just, well, you find yourself in a place financially that you really don't want to be. Maybe it's a health challenge, and the good news with it is, uh, the, the good news is that you finally got news from the doctor, and it's, well, the good news is that it's not going to kill you, but the bad news is that it's, well, it's going to be with you the rest of your life, or it's going to be something your kid struggles with for the rest of their life. Maybe it's a, a relationship problem today, and uh, you're married to him, but, but it's not the way that you hoped it would be, and you don't want to call it off. I mean, you've got a life together, you've got kids together, you've got a home together, but the reality is you just know it's not what you hoped it would be, or it's not going to be the way that it used to be, and so you're stuck maybe today, or maybe you're feeling trapped, and well, this is the way it is, and the question we ask is, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? Well, two weeks ago, we shared a, a video by a popular pastor and teacher, Andy Stanley, and he opened this series uh, and exposed what so many of us do when we find ourselves stuck in places we don't want to be. I mean, so often, I mean, it's so easy uh, to get angry with God. I've been angry with God. We, we, we convince ourselves that he's not listening or that he's punishing us for some reason, for maybe for our past choices. Or uh, if we get really upset, I mean, we're tempted to run. Or if we get really frustrated, I mean, we're tempted to abandon God or abandon the people in our lives or just kind of give in or whatever. And I just want to remind you again of what Andy Stanley shared in week one. And this is something that we just need to keep coming back over uh, and over again to, or maybe for you, maybe something to write down that we just come back to over and over again. And that is that it doesn't matter what you're going through in your life right now, no matter what it is, God's not absent. I just want you to know that today, no matter what you're going through right now, God's not absent. He's not angry with you and he loves you. Uh, he loves us deeply 
And uh, if you find yourself in an in-the-meantime moment, if you find yourself in that sort of a season right now, I just want you to know and trust and believe that good uh, can come from this. And uh, last week, again, our Carmel Campus pastor, Steve, was here, and he spent some time with you in the book of Philippians, looking at the life of the Apostle Paul and talking about the secret to contentment uh, and the secret uh, to really enduring and, and getting through these difficult times. And what's the secret? It's Christ, Right? I mean, it's Christ for us that I, I can do, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, and that's just a reminder, you can't get through this on your own, but through Christ we can. But through Christ we can do anything. And today I want to spend a little time talking with you about God's purpose uh, for these difficult times. And I just want to show you what God's Word has to say uh, about what He can and what he, well, what he wants to do in this in the meantime moment in season for you right now. And so if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it, uh, or if you use something like the Version app on your phone, uh, take it and t- t- turn to the book of James, uh, the New Testament book of James. That's towards the end uh, of your New Testament. And um, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the Christian faith was born out of difficult circumstances. Uh, not only that, but it grew and it thrived as a result of, of persecution. Uh, in fact, the New Testament is just full of stories uh, of men and women who were very familiar with adversity. Uh, these were men and women and students who experienced one difficult challenge and crisis after another, and yet these were men and women who continued believing. Uh, They kept their faith in the Lord. They kept trusting in the Lord. And for so many of them, this is just really so foreign to us. I mean, there was no seeming contradiction between a faithful God and a difficult life. And uh, that just means that they didn't struggle like we struggle. Uh, They didn't didn't struggle like we struggle today. They didn't ask questions like, uh, if God is good, then why do I have to go through pain? Or uh, if God is good, you know, then why is there suffering? Uh, Those are questions that we ask today. Those are questions that are popular with our generations uh, today. Now, sure, they asked questions, but again, they didn't ask those same sort of questions. And sure, they struggled, but they didn't struggle with the same things that we struggle with. Well, what I want to talk with you about this morning, and again, what I've been praying is uh, that the Lord would open your eyes to is this, that there is one word that is emphasized over and over again in the New Testament. And it's a word that Jesus emphasized and reemphasized when he encountered people who were struggling. And what I hope that you'll see today is that it's a word for us, uh, a word for those of you that might find yourself in one of these in-the-meantime seasons today. It's the word believe. Uh, It's the word believe. And the reason why we're commanded to believe is because what we do is usually the opposite. Uh, What we tend to do is usually the opposite. I mean, so often when difficult circumstances uh, hit us or we get bad news, so often our default is to really think the worst. But what was Jesus' encouragement to the hurting people he encountered? Keep believing, keep trusting. What was the apostles' message to hurting people? He just kept saying, keep believing, keep trusting. As we're going to see in these passages in the book of James today, James' message is the same for us too. It's to keep believing, to keep trusting no matter what you're going through, to keep our faith in the Lord. And so James 1, and um, I want to spend just a little time walking through a few of these verses with you here today, uh, some important words uh, written by someone who spent a lot of time with Jesus, uh, someone very close to Jesus. Uh, the writer here is a guy by the name of James. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but Jesus had brothers and sisters. 
And uh, we see this in the Gospels. And uh, one of them, one of those siblings was a guy uh, by the name of James here. And what makes James, I think, really interesting is that he doesn't show up at any point in Jesus' ministry, at least from what we can see uh, in the Gospels. Uh, It's not until after the crucifixion of Jesus that James shows up and eventually becomes a leader uh, in the church in Jerusalem, which raises the question, what did James think of Jesus? What did James previously think of Jesus? I mean, if James is nowhere to be found until after the crucifixion, I mean, what did he really think about his brother? I mean, do you think, did he, do you think he thought Jesus was crazy? Do you think he thought Jesus was a phony? I mean, we know that Jesus kind of distanced himself from, from his family uh, as he started his ministry. And there are several places in Scripture that give the impression that Jesus' family indeed thought he was crazy, but then Jesus was crucified. And then the resurrection, and it has been recorded that the resurrected Jesus appeared to many, including members of his own family, and then ascended into heaven. And so I love the question that Andy Stanley likes to ask. He asks, what would your brother have to do to convince you that he's the Messiah? Think about it if you've got a brother. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he's the Messiah? I mean, could it be that James not only witnessed Jesus' crucifixion, but that he encountered the resurrected Jesus too. And was that the game changer for James? Like, was that what changed everything? I mean, is that what sparked his faith? I, I like to think that it's a possibility. I like to think that it's, I think it's a great question. Whatever the case, though, James emerged as a leader and as a champion for Jesus in the church, and he eventually wrote the document that we call the book of James. Now, the book of James is actually a letter. It's an epistle uh, written to, originally, primarily to these Jewish Christians uh, living in the first century. And with this letter, James is basically going to say, hey, if you're going through a difficult time, uh, if you find yourself in an in-the-meantime sort of a season, there's something you've got to know. There's something you must believe. Let's pick it up in verse 1. James writes, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. I just want you to see here that James sees himself as a servant. Uh, You see those words for himself. It's how he addresses himself here at the beginning. And I just want to add there that I hope you see yourself the same way that James does. Do you see yourself as a servant of the Lord? I mean, that's just a reminder for us that no matter the season that you're going through, no matter the circumstances that you find yourself in, no matter where you live, no matter where you go to school, no matter what you do for a living or what you do for fun, if you're in Christ, if you're making every effort in your life right now to follow Jesus Christ, you're a servant of God. You are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a servant, James is writing to these early Christians who, notice what he says here, who had been scattered throughout this part of the world. I mean, these are men and women and children uh, and and students that had had fled Jerusalem following the execution of Jesus. And so uh, we know that some left their homes voluntarily. Some were forced out of their homes. Whatever the case, each of them fled from Jerusalem, fearing for their lives. Now, these original recipients uh, have probably lost most everything they've ever known. Some have lost contact with loved ones. Uh, Some are mourning the deaths of those that they love. Uh, Many probably don't know how they're going to provide for their own needs or how they're going to provide for their needs uh, tomorrow or what tomorrow will bring. And so it's as if you can hear James saying, hey, if you're not sure what to do right now, if you find yourself in the middle of a crisis and you're struggling, again, far from your ideal, here's what he's going to say. Now, I want to caution you for a moment. I want you to just kind of hold on with me for a second because what he says next might shock you a bit. Verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials 
of many kinds. Now, don't get mad at me, all right? I didn't write it, okay? I didn't say it. James, the brother of Jesus, said it, and I, I, I can't say what he said because I don't have that kind of faith. At least I don't have that kind of faith yet. But apparently James does, and I want to just kind of try and break it down for you what he's saying. I mean, James says consider. He opens uh, this next line with the word consider. Basically, hey, before you hit bail or, or before you hit eject or before you bail out, before you give up on God, James says, I want you to instead consider, at least consider a different mindset towards your current circumstances. Like instead of considering at the end of the world, just hold on. Or uh, before you give up, James says, I want you to consider it pure joy Whenever you face challenges and difficulties of many kinds, that's just another way of saying that when something in life takes you by surprise or when the doctor calls uh, with results or your son calls with really bad news or you show up at work and your very worst fear is realized, instead of assuming the worst, James is challenging us to think about adversity differently and to consider the possibility that something good could come out of it. Again, verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And then he goes on to say, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, I want you to uh, at least be encouraged that James states the obvious here. I want to at least give him credit that he acknowledges that trials are going to come into our lives. All right, he says it like it is. I mean, he, he's basically saying what his brother had said, what Jesus had said, you know, that you're going to go through difficult times. Like, life isn't going to always uh, be easy. It's not going to be this cakewalk. You're going to experience trials. And so James agrees. But don't miss verse 3, because these words in verse 3 are incredibly important. Because what James says here is something that we all suspect. I think it's something we all know, something we've learned from different experiences in life. And that is that when you face adversity in life, when you go through challenges, when you face these trials, it's going to test your faith. For every single one of us, it's going to test your faith. I mean, isn't it so true? I mean, whenever you go through tough times, the tough times put your faith to the test. And add to that, I mean, life's trials put God on trial, don't they? I mean, think about how many people, you know, maybe have difficulty believing today or have walked away from faith because of what they think about God or these questions that we ask of him. I mean, think about it. I mean, have you ever gone through something in your life that causes you to look up and go, you know, seriously? Like, like seriously, I, like I got to go through this right now or we got to go through this again or, or, or now, now this. I mean, what have I done uh, to deserve this? Why me? I think James gets it right when he says, you know the testing of your faith, meaning in every difficult season, these in-the-meantime moments that we all go through, they're going to test your faith. He says it. They cause us to ask, do I really believe, or will I continue to believe, or will I keep trusting God? See, life's trials test our confidence in God. They test our faith in God. And then James points us in a direction that's uncomfortable But I think somehow we all know it's true. And he lets us know that the testing of your faith produces something. And what is it? It produces perseverance. In fact, if you're taking notes, just write that down. Life's life's trials uh, produce persevering faith. I, I thought about changing that to really say, you know, life's trials can produce persevering faith because, man, we can sure resist. And we can bail and we can walk out, but if we stay, as we're going to find, if we stay put, if we keep trusting, life's trials in your life, this in the meantime season can produce persevering faith in you. And 
Uh, you know what that's like. I mean, especially at a time of the year like this, this beginning of a new year, because for some of you, uh, you set some goals this year. Uh, you set some new goals, maybe as it has to do with your diet. Maybe you've set some new goals when it comes to uh, exercise. Maybe you've set some uh, goals when it comes to your own faith and reading the Bible. And uh, if you've set some goals, uh, we're kind of through that, that honeymoon period already where you're, well, you really see what you're up against. You're probably finding, you know, hey, here's what it's going to take. Uh, like for me, I, I enjoy running, but one of my goals in 2016 was to kind of add some other things to my exercise routine. So I've, I've taken up some swimming. And, uh, you know, for me, swimming in the past has been all about not drowning, all right? It's just, you know, how to get from the pool to the side, you know, the pool uh, without drowning. And so I, I've taken up lap swimming. And, man, it's hard work. I mean, you know, even 25 meters right now, I get to one end of the pool and I got to stop and I got to catch my breath. And then I, I go at it for another length. And my hope is that if I keep with it, you know, to, to build up this endurance, this perseverance. But, again, it's hard work. It requires persistence, it requires accountability. Well, in the same way, life's trials produce persevering faith. And that just means, again, that when we feel stuck, if we believe, James is saying, if we hold on, if we dare to change our perspective, as difficult as it must be, James wants us to, to encourage us by pointing out that something good can come from it, this persevering faith, this enduring faith. Now, here's the thing about faith. If you read the New Testament... Uh, if you listen to people like Jesus teach and others too, what you discover is that God is honored and is most glorified by persevering faith. Uh, we see that in Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, verse 28, just one example. Jesus encounters this woman, and uh, he says to her, woman, you have great faith, and because of it, your request is granted. And her daughter was released at that moment. Her, her daughter was healed at that moment. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20, Paul is writing about Abraham. And he says, yet he did not waver. Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and, and gave glory to God. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God. How important is faith? He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The implication here is that faith pleases God. What honors God? It's a faith that keeps believing and enduring even when we experience pain. I mean, think about it. Think about Think about just some of the stories that inspire you the most. Think about the books that you like to read or the, the movies that you enjoy watching, these, these stories that involve people who experience difficult times and persevere and overcome them. I mean, we love these comeback stories. I was reading about one of them the other day. I don't know how I missed this in the news a couple of years ago, but I was reading about this man named Jose Salvador Alvaringa. He's a fisherman uh, from Mexico, and he had been out shark fishing in this small little fiberglass boat off the, the coast of Mexico. Mexico when this huge storm blew in and his motor went out and many had thought he had died only 400 some days later he washed up some 6,000 miles away in his boat off the coast of the Marshall Islands uh, this was back in 2013 now there are all sorts of questions about whether his story is true or not but from what I've seen they've been able to verify many of the details so far 6,000 miles 400 some days out at sea. I mean, a real castaway sort of a story. I mean, we love those comeback stories. Uh, they inspire us. Well, in the same way, God is honored. He's pleased by persevering faith. And that's why James says, if you're in a difficult place, man, don't jump ship just yet. 
you know? Uh, before you quit praying or before you give up on God, before you fall into some bad habit or go back to some bad habit, ask yourself, is it possible that God is up to something good? Is it possible that God could bring something good from this? He continues in verse 4. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Friends, here's God's desire for you and for me in our lives. God's desire is to produce persevering faith in you. And that's a faith that doesn't crumble. Uh, Persevering faith is a faith that goes off to college and doesn't fall apart. Uh, persevering faith is a faith that stands strong and it holds through good and the bad. It's a faith that glorifies Him. It's a faith that gets the attention of others around us. Now, verse 4 here is the main point in this particular selection of verses. In fact, if we were studying this in the Greek together, this is what would be referred to as the imperative. It's, it's James' big takeaway for us. It's, it's something that we can act on. What's the imperative here? James says, let perseverance finish its work in your life. In other words, if you find yourself in an in the meantime sort of a moment today, again, miles away from your ideal, James would say, don't give up just yet. Uh, don't, don't, don't run. Uh, don't file for divorce just yet. Don't, don't turn in or don't get cranky. Don't allow yourself to get cynical about these sorts of things. Sure, you can take your anger and frustration out on others if you choose or you can hold on. And you can believe that God is good and that He is working and that He is in the process of producing in you the kind of faith that pleases Him the most. James says, let perseverance finish its work in your life. Uh, I was thinking it's kind of like germs and illness, you know, especially if you've got young kids because, you know, if you're a parent... uh, there, there's some degree of letting your kids uh, fight through colds and uh, fight through these things, uh, learning to, to fight off infection for themselves because their immune systems get stronger because of it, right? Well, in the same way, there's a sense, and even as you think about your biggest struggle right now, even as you think about your greatest challenge, whether that be a relationship, again, whether that be trouble at work or a financial issue, whatever it is that consumes you, like whatever it is that you find yourself thinking about the most or whatever it is that you find yourself praying about the most, that one thing, that one thing in your life has the potential to be the epicenter of some of God's greatest work in you if you choose to trust God. If you choose to believe in Him, it's true. I mean, that one thing in your life right now that you wouldn't dare wish on anyone, that one thing in your life that you would love for God to take away, that one thing you would love, that, that, that question that you've been praying, that, that ask that you've been making of God that you would love to see Him answer, this very thing for you could be the one thing that changes your relationship with God and your faith forever. And that's why James is pleading, don't give up just yet. Don't walk away from the Lord. There's too much at stake. Now, maybe you're not buying it. Well, let me look at it like this with you. You know, for some of you here today, some of you maybe previously have gone through some horrific, uh, horrible things in your life. And I just want you to know that I'm not judging you by what I'm about to say, and I want to make sure that you don't hear me wrong in saying this. But maybe for some of you, because of what happened to you previously, For some of you, you you walked away from God or you walked away from your church or from your friends or from your faith uh, altogether. If you did that, can I just ask you, did things get better after that? Did things get any easier when, when you walked away from God? Did it make your life any easier? 
I'm guessing for most of you, you'd probably say no. And so that's why James, I, I, I pray that you can hear James saying, don't make that mistake again. Don't walk out on God this time. I mean, if you find yourself stuck, if you're far from your ideal, again, don't give up on God just yet because this current situation in your life has the potential to be the focal point for some of his greatest work in you. And so James says, let perseverance finish its work. And why? Because at the end of the process, your persevering faith is going to bring more honor and glory to God and it's going to leave you in a more satisfying place in your life too. And so James says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How, how, how do I become a mature follower of Christ? How, how do I become complete, as James says? Read the Bible more, right? Serve more. Uh, maybe I give a little bit more money. Maybe, maybe I get to church a little more often in 2016. I want you to know that all these things are good, and good can come from each of these. But notice here that it's perseverance that's going to lead to maturity for us. Now, that word maturity is also translated as the word complete. In other words, if, if you don't allow perseverance to finish its work in your life, you'll never be complete. There'll be something. There'll always be something that's lacking in you. See, perseverance makes us stronger. When I think about this kind of faith and perseverance, I, I could tell you several different stories, but I can't help but think of my friends Jim and, and his wife Terry, and uh, they've got such great faith. They're very generous. They're, they're wise, and they're full of compassion, and they love the Lord, and they love each other deeply. And man, I tell you, if you meet Jim and Terry, you can't help but look at someone like them and think to yourself, you know what, how'd you get to this place, man? Like, how, how'd you get this kind of attitude about life? How'd you, how'd you get this kind of the love towards each other? You know, how, how do you find a marriage like this? Well, when you get below the surface, you realize that there's a painful story there too. And it's a story that involves things like unfaithfulness. It's a story that involves things like rejection and pain, but then Christ and forgiveness and redemption. And, and for Jim and Terry, they'd never wish what they went through on anyone, but for the two of them. And what God produced from it and how they've grown in their faith and their marriage since, well, they wouldn't trade it for anything. And when you talk to them about it, and again, you see their faith in God and you see how it's so deep and so real, and now they help others and you're just awed at who they are and what they live for. And you just wonder, you know, how do you find that kind of obedience and faith and love in your life? Well, do you want to know how they got where they are today? They let perseverance finish its work. They kept trusting the Lord. And were they perfect? Were they flawless through it all? No way. But they let perseverance finish its work. And what God does for those who choose to believe and for those who cling to him is that he finishes his work. Now, if I'm honest, and if you're like me at all, I can't help but look at James' words and groan a little bit. I can't help but read these words and think to myself, I don't want to learn these lessons, Lord. I don't want to have to go through these difficult times so that perseverance can finish its work in me. And maybe you feel the same way this morning too, or, or maybe you're here today and you want to believe what we're talking about right now, but the truth is that you're in the thick of it all. I mean, like you're just barely staying afloat right now, struggling with what to do next. Well, look at what James says next, because this is very practical for us too. Verse 5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, this is especially important because I just want you to notice here that James is going to show us how to pray. All right, And any time we find a verse in Scripture from God's truth, keep in mind, that instructs us how to pray, 
we ought to pray like this, all right? I mean, if it makes its way into God's word, then we ought to follow the instruction that's being given. This needs to get our attention. And what James says is he gives us a very specific prayer. James says, hey, you need help right now in your life? You're needing wisdom for what to do next? James says, pray and ask the Lord for wisdom. He just shows us that it's okay to ask the Lord for help. And wisdom here just means the skills we need for living. Uh, It's the direction that we need. It's asking God for right behavior uh, in our current situation. It's asking God for the ability to see our current circumstances in a broader context. And so James says, don't hesitate to ask God for wisdom. Don't hesitate to pray, God, I need help. Uh, God, show me what to do next or where to go uh, from here. God, God, it's like praying, God, help me to see what my next move is or... It's praying, God, show me what obedience looks like in this situation. Or God, help me to know what to do about my kid right now. Or God, help me to see what you see for my marriage or what can come from this marriage. Or God, it's praying, help me overcome my loneliness. See, don't be afraid to pray and ask God for wisdom. And what does James say God will do? He says, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And the promises in it will be given to you. Now, be careful. Notice that he doesn't say, uh, God will take the problem away. He doesn't say that. Notice he doesn't say, we're going to get what we really think we want or what we really think we need. He says, pray and ask for wisdom. And the promise is that you will encounter a God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And he'll give you wisdom. And then one last thing. James isn't done. There's a but here in verse 6. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. He says, when you ask, when you pray, you have to believe. See, believing is a part of the process. Believing is a part of the faith work that God is doing in you. You have to believe God at his word. You have to believe his promises and trust him with the time that it may take in your life. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Let perseverance finish its work in your life. Pray for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. And then believe, trust, have faith, do not doubt. Friends, when you are surprised by adversity in your life, Don't assume the worst. Don't assume that God has abandoned you or that he's out to get you. If you find yourself in a difficult time today, I I pray that you won't eject on God right now. The fact is, the truth is, you don't have what it takes on your own to hold it together. You can't do it. I can't do it. But we serve one who can. There's one who loves us, and we know that he can. And so my challenge for you today is to consider your way of thinking in your current moment. Realize that good can come from this. And believe that this in the meantime moment in your life right now has the potential to be the epicenter for some of God's greatest work in your life. I pray, I encourage you today to let perseverance finish its work in you so that you will be mature and complete. Let's pray that together right now. If you'll join me. Father in heaven, uh, we come before you. We come before you humbled. We come before you desperate. We come before you dependent, Father, and we just pray that you would encourage our hearts today as we choose to embrace your word, this promise that you're up to perseverance right now in an enduring faith, that you want to strengthen our faith, Lord, in these current circumstances so that we will be strong and not tossed about. 
by any wave or circumstances uh, in our lives. And as we pray right now, I want to give you just a moment to maybe pray and ask the Lord for wisdom. Uh, Just take a moment right now. I mean, you know what that situation is for you. You know these circumstances that you find yourself in. Man, let's take the Lord up on what he has told us we can do and his promises with it. Will you just ask for wisdom right now in whatever way he is putting it on your heart? Father, there are all sorts of prayers being offered up around the room right now, and you know every single one of them. You know every person, you know every story, you know all of the details, Lord, and we are coming before you uh, with these words that you've given us, asking for wisdom. We're praying now that you would give generously to all without finding fault, that you would return that wisdom, and if not here right now, maybe it's later on today. Maybe it's throughout the course of this week. Lord, give us the faith to believe. Give us the faith to trust you, Lord. We want to hold on. We want to keep our faith uh, in you. We want to keep our eyes on you, God. We want to find refuge in you. And as hard as it is to pray, maybe some more for others here right now, we pray that perseverance would finish its work in our lives so that we would be strong and mature and complete and give you all of the glory and all of the credit and all of the praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. You know, before uh, we sing these uh, last couple of songs here, before we respond to this, you know, there's a great story uh, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 9, of a, a father who desperately comes before Jesus, and he's got a son who is so sick. And if you've ever had a sick kid before, man, you know the challenges and the desperation that come with something like that. And it's almost as if you can see him collapsing before Jesus, you know, asking uh, Jesus for healing for his son. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, Jesus replied, anything is possible for those who believe. He saw belief and faith in this man, even in his desperation. But I love the honesty. I love the brutal honesty of the father in reply when he said, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe you find yourself saying, you know what, I, I want to believe these words that the Lord has given us. It's, what, it's walking out these doors that I'm most afraid of. And so maybe it's like praying today, God, will you just give me faith? Will you give me faith to trust you, to see you, and to cling to you for all these things? And so we're going to make that our prayer right now. I'm going to invite you to stand with us as we close out, as we sing these songs, as we pray, Lord, give me the faith to trust you with these words. Let's do that now.